Well, good morning, Oakwood. So glad you're here this morning. We are starting a new series from the book of Ephesians. So if you have your Bible this morning, I invite you to go ahead and turn there. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be in a passage there for the next several weeks as we begin a new series called Armor Up. Now, as I was watching that video and I was thinking about this this morning, I thought a few weeks ago, if you'll remember, as a part of our aesthetics on stage, we had this stained glass window hanging here, and I'd hit my head on it, and I was thinking, I wish I'd had the helmet of salvation and maybe even the sword of the Spirit to cut it down after the service, but it did go down this week, so uh, we're, we're safe up here again, for at least for those of us over six foot on staff, so Rusty and, Rusty and I are safe now, so and I think Michael's over six foot too, but anyway, uh, man, it's good to be uh, have the whole family together again this morning as we open up the Word of God, and um, this is one of those weird uh, messages today, because between services... I got a little weird as I got feedback on first service. They said it's one of those things where you like, you know, it's kind of like I felt like you were punching at us and it was like duck and then you step on our toes. And, you know, it's one of those sermons that I, I feel like as a minister, uh, people, you, you may feel like people don't like you after that message. You know, and it's like, hey, I'm just delivering the word of God. I'm just the messenger. I didn't write it. I didn't, I didn't make it up. I didn't, you know, I'm just presenting the truth of God. I let, you know, I, I feel like do the right thing. Let the results fall where they will because God is ultimately in control, right? And so, uh, hey, we, we preach the whole counsel of the word of God here. And so if it convicts you, I think that's great. I, uh, you know, make a change in your life. Do what God's calling you to do. Uh, if you come in afflicted and torn up by the world this morning, hopefully you find a word of comfort uh, because I think that's what God wants to do sometimes on Sunday morning. He wants to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And so if you're comfortable this morning, yeah, I may not, may not be totally comfortable when you leave. That's okay, okay? Allow God to stir that up in you and, and, and do that work. We're talking about the armor of God, and there's something that we have to talk about before we kind of get there. And, and, and this will be the focus, really, of the message today, that we are engaged in a spiritual battle, and because of that, we have to put on the full armor of God and rely on God, rely on our relationship with God, what we learn from God, rely on His power, rely on His presence in our life to fight the spiritual battle. And, and, and this, is, this is real. We're going to read it in the, in the Word this morning. This is real. It's something that's really going on. It's something that we should feel. And sometimes the, I think, well, if a lot of us don't feel that, why is that? We're going to get into um, all of that this morning. So again, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 is where, where we're going to begin this morning. And if you're following along on your tablet or on your phone uh, in the Oakwood app, just go to the sermon notes there. All the notes will be there for you, all the scriptures as well. Ephesians chapter 6, we're just going to look at the first uh, four verses of this this morning, 10 through 13. Ephesians chapter 6. And this is what it says. He starts out with the word finally. Um, a lot of times when you get these lead-in words to passage, I like to explain why he said that. He's saying finally because he's ending the letter. He's been writing to the Christians in Ephesus and to the uh, church in Ephesus for six chapters here, and there's been really, really great stuff. I mean, Ephesians uh, chapter 2 says, uh, you're saved by grace through faith. It is not of yourself. It's a gift from God and not by works so that anyone can boast, and you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. That's Ephesians chapter 2, like 8 through 10, great passage. Just a few weeks ago, we talked about Ephesians chapter 4, uh, right in the middle of chapter 4 there, it kind of gives us the philosophy of ministry. It says that the church leaders are to equip the saints, that's the, the Christians, the believers in the church, are to equip the saints for works of service, and the result is, it says, so that the body of Christ may be built up. 
and that we're growing to maturity in Christ Jesus. And so, so there's some great stuff in there. You get to Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about a mutual submission and marriage. You get to the beginning of chapter 6, it's talking a little bit about parenting and kids. And, and then you get here and he gets to this part in verse 10 where he says, finally, because he's about to end this letter to the church. And so this is kind of like his summation. This is kind of the pinnacle of it. It's kind of like, here's what we need to do to accomplish everything I've been talking to you about for six chapters, basically. In this letter, in, the, in this book of the Bible, we get to verse 10. Finally, finally do what? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. In the Lord. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Because let's be honest, so many people, they don't take their stand against the devil's schemes, right? They just go right into it. I mean, they just hook, line, sinker, don't look back, right? And it says in verse 12, it reminds us, he says, for our struggle is actually not against flesh and blood. We get frustrated with flesh and blood. We, 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 we work against people. There's fighting against people. But the battle is not really against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's this spiritual warfare being fought between, between God's army and the armies of heaven. And Satan, if you remember, he was a part of heaven. He got cast down from heaven, took a third of the angels with him. His dominion now is this world, it's the earth, and there's this there's this war that's been waged. It's been going, going on since the garden, since before the time in the Garden of Eden. There's this spiritual war going on, and that's what he's addressing here, is all of these forces of darkness and against these powers. And then he says, he gets to verse 13, he says, therefore, right, therefore because you're going to call on his power and his might, you're going to put on the form of God, you're going to take a stand, and you've and you got to remember, we're not fighting flesh and blood. This is a spiritual warfare we're fighting. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. And that's where we're going to end this morning. We're going to continue with verse 14. We'll pick that up next week. It's talking in this passage about spiritual warfare. Spiritual battles that we fight. And I will tell you this, the spiritual warfare and the spiritual battles you fight will grow in frequency and intensity as you get closer to Jesus Christ. As you mature in your faith and you go deeper and you grow more and you become more knowledgeable of the word and you spend more time with God in prayer and you're lining up your will and your life with his will and his ways, Folks, you're going to feel the frequency and the intensity of the attacks of Satan on your life more often and more intense than you ever have before. Because the Bible reminds us of, of who our adversary is. He, he's Satan, and, and he's smart, and he's, he's scheming. It talks about the devil's schemes here. because gives this idea that he's planning things against us. He's planning to thwart God's plan. He's planning to thwart God's holiness and righteousness, especially in the lives of believers and people that would say, hey, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus Christ. And because this warfare is spiritual in nature, then we prepare ourselves spiritually with this armor we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. If it was a physical battle, we would prepare ourselves physically for that. Like the military, they train before they go into battle. They train themselves physically and they train themselves in their weaponry. Okay. 
It's the same thing here. Because of the spiritual war that we're fighting, we're supposed to be training ourselves up spiritually. Sorry. Sometimes you've got to do a good throat clear there. And because of that, it's vitally important to understand that there are schematics working here. And, and the Satan, you know, he's, he's not easy. He's, he's scheming. He's coming against us. 2 Corinthians 11.14 reminds us of that. And it says this, And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. He's, he's deceptive. You know, he calls what's right wrong and what's wrong right and tries to make things look appeasing to us when they're really going to destroy us. And so there's a spiritual battle going on, and we, need, and we feel it. And there's a struggle. And the thing is this morning, I wonder if some of you are already feeling like this. I, I just don't really feel that big struggle. Like, if I'm being, being honest, I don't, I, I mean, I didn't have a battle on my mind this week, and I've been praying about spiritual warfare in my life, and I don't feel like, Satan's like coming against me. I, I don't really feel like there's this darkness that lurks just around the corner. I don't feel like I'm in this season of, you know, really, really big temptation or anything. And I, I, I don't really feel like I'm in a battle. I don't, I don't feel like there's this war going on out there. In fact, I could probably be honest and say I don't really maybe even relate to any of the passage this morning. And I would caution that kind of thinking with this. That if you feel that way, you may already be defeated. And Satan has already deceived you, and you have been neutralized. And because you're no threat, there's going to be no attack on your life. There's, no going to be, there's not going to be an increase of frequency or intensity of Satan attacking you because you're not doing anything for him. I mean, you're not doing anything for God. You're, you're not doing anything uh, for the gospel. And so there's no reason for Satan to try to take you out. I mean, you're neutral. You don't do anything, Right? You don't read your Bible and study. You're not spending more time with God, perhaps, in prayer. You're not talking to God in a meaningful way, like having a meaningful conversation. It's just like, bless this food, bless this, take care of all the physical things, all the sick people, heal me, do all this stuff. You're not praying for, like, God, win souls that are lost. God, grow me deeper spiritually so I can be a better representation of you so people can see the righteousness in me and know that it's not me and know that it's you. And draw people unto yourself. Lord, we lift up God's church and, and we just pray that as we invite people, these people are going to respond and they're, and they're, and they're going to come and they're going to hear the word of God and they're going to be challenged and they're going to be changed. And, and those kind of conversations with God. A study of God's word that is deep and meaningful that you're trying to actually understand the deep truths of God's word. And that you're not just, just doing it so you understand it, but you're actually going to apply it to your life. You're actually going to put it into practice. Those kind of things are going on. And you're not, oh, thank you. That's a good thought, Scott. <laughs> and, and, and you're going through this, and, and you think about this, and it's like, if you're not doing any of those things, if you're not evangelizing, and you know if you are or not, I mean, name the people you baptized this year. Who's in your Bible study? Who are you leading to Christ? Who's the one you're like, man, I really see like God is really making a difference in their life right now. I've invited them into my study group, and, and we're doing stuff together. And, man, this guy's changing. He's becoming a better dad. He's a, he's a better husband. And, and we're in this group together. Or there's a bunch of moms, a bunch of ladies we got together. And, and a bunch of moms are just encouraging each other. And, man, it's been, it's been really good. It's been really great. We are so excited that, that, that we're seeing this depth and this, this insight we've never seen. We're seeing them change. We're seeing the, the whole 
holiness and the righteousness. We're seeing the peace of God in this tumultuous time in their life and this relationship. We're seeing that on the increase. Making disciples who make disciples. Who are you making disciples with? So if all of that's like, okay, I, I, yeah, can't relate to any of that, then you're probably comfortable. You may not feel like the spiritual warfare is a real deal. But the fact is, the battle has already been fought. And someone who you don't want to win is probably winning in your life. And you're not feeling that we're engaged in this battle. I mean, look at the words that Paul uses here in Ephesians 6.10. To be strong in his mighty power, put on the full armor. I mean, why do you put on armor? It's because you're under attack. It's to protect yourself. We're going to go through all the pieces of that over the next several weeks. And, and he says it's so that you will be able to take your stand. And it's like none of this is optional in here. You don't read this and be like, hey, sometimes you might have to take a stand. No, he's like, you're going to take a stand because he's going to come against you. And, and I'm thinking if you, if you feel like, wow, this isn't happening anymore in my life. I, I used to feel that years ago. I don't feel that now. It's like, maybe because you're not taking a stand. Maybe you're just sitting down. You're just on the sideline. You're, you're neutralized. And so you don't feel the warfare because you're not really fighting any of the battles. And that may be where some of us need to begin this morning, is to acknowledge, man, I have got to be about the Lord's business. I've got to be about the Great Commission. Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that he's commanded us. I mean, I've got to, I've got to understand the Word of God better. I mean, I'm like a rookie when it comes to understanding the Bible. I've got to get with some other Christians and, and, and allow them to stir some things up in my life to change me. Because the fact is, if you look at me five years ago and you look at me today, nothing's changed. Same person I was. I'm not any more holy. I'm not any more righteous. I'm not any better in any area of my life that you could look at spiritually that I'm any better. In fact, I may be worse than I ever was before. And if that's you, it's not too late to engage. But let me tell you, when you start taking steps toward God, you're going to fill, you're going to fill the warfare and the temptation of Satan coming against you because he wants to neutralize you. He wants to neutralize your testimony and your witness. So how do we respond? How should we respond? What do we learn from our passage today about how we respond to spiritual warfare that we find ourselves in as Christians? How, how are we supposed to respond to this? I want to share four thoughts with you this morning. The first one is this. You need to draw on strength and power from the Lord. You draw your strength and your power from the Lord. This is not from yourself, it is from the Lord. Look at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Some translations say, in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Ultimately, understand, the Satan's power over Christians has already been broken through Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. We have already have the victory in Christ. The fact is, we don't always walk and live that way as Christians. We have this tendency, and, and Satan wants us to go back to the old self and to not walk in the newness of life that Christ has given us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 56 and 57 says this, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So in life on earth, these battles come of temptation, and they go on regularly. But the victory is won because we're staying connected to the strength and the power of Jesus Christ. Now here's the problem. Some of us try to do it this way. It's called what? Willpower, right? 
oh, I'm going to do this and it's going to be willpower, my will being done, not God's will being done. And so we're going to do this and I'm going to change and I'm going to become a better, better person, a better husband, and I'm going to become a more righteous and holy person um, because of willpower. No, we need supernatural resurrection, divine type of power. And we've got to stay connected to the power. And here's the problem. We, we should know this as Oklahomans. We have power problems all the time here. I mean, I was just thinking about the church, you know? All the time, we lose power here at the church. The oddest things, a windy day. I mean, who loses power because of wind? We do, right? Wind snapping the lines, popping the lines, blowing the lines, they break, snap. I don't, I don't get it. Like, those things are metal, right? You know, they're conduits, but they break and snap, and we lose power. One time here at the church, uh, uh, something happened. It's like this big boom, this power surge, and the power went out for hours. We call OG&E. They go out there, and we said, what happened? They said, a squirrel. Like, what do you mean a squirrel? A squirrel took down the power to the church's building? Really? Like, like a squirrel did that? Yeah, I remember one time we were having what's called a brownout here in the building. And so uh, the church has got so much power, God's churches. We have two legs of electricity coming into God's church, okay? Amen on that. It's, uh, yeah, God the Father and God the Son, actually three, God the Holy Spirit. But OG&E gives us two. And anyway, uh, we, were, we were having a brownout, so that means one leg of power was working and one wasn't. So it's was like, this light was working and that one wasn't. It was really weird. We were having a preschool program here in this brownout. We're trying to figure out what's going. I walk out the back of the church because there was this huge substation back there built, built for the church and this huge transformer. And up on the, on the pole is one of those, like, you know, I don't know how to describe one of those trash can things on the pole back there, and it's on fire. I mean, fire's like coming out of it. You know, the lights in the church are blinking on and off, and I'm like, there is a fire. It's like, what do you do? You, know, you call the fire department, call OG&E, what do we do? We, we called, um, fire, fire department came out, but really they didn't need to do anything. It was OG&E needed to handle it. They put out the fire. It was, you know, uh, and then just we, lightning. I mean, how many times have we had the lightning strike happen, the power surge happen? I think three times the last five years, we've had major, major components in the church get fried by power, and there's this constant disconnect and reconnect. And I remember staff, um, you know, waiting for the power to come back on. And the worst thing, it's almost worse than anything else, is just little brief disconnections. Like you're sitting there working and blow, oh, blow. And it's back on, and you're like, junk, but it's going to take the server like five minutes to reboot. You know, we're running Windows here, my goodness. So, um, and, you know, it's, 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 and it's so important. And we were like, yes, what would be awesome is to stay connected to the power. It's the same thing in our Christian life. We've got to stay connected to his power and his might. And when we stay connected, we will have kingdom success. We will have victory. But we got to stay connected to the source of power. And as frustrating and annoying as it is sometimes, we have some control over that. We can be in the Word of God. We can be going to God in prayer. We can be leaning and depending on Him. And most of you by now, you're saying, okay, I see this. Yes. Yes. I see that. How? And so many Christians want to know, how do I stay connected to the source of power? How do I grow in my Christian walk? How do I grow in faith? To believe God is who he says he is, that he can do all he's promised to do. How do I grow in these areas? And we always tell you the same thing. You've heard it. If you've been in the church for a long time, you heard it when you were a child. What do we tell you? Pray and read the Bible, right? I mean, and people think that's the pat answer of the church. You know, oh, you know, if you go ask them how to grow, every church says the same thing, just to pray and read the Bible more. You know, I don't pray and I don't read the Bible. Well, maybe you ought to try that. You know, maybe that's something you ought to, you ought to, you ought to tune into and try. Because, and this isn't just some 
pat answer we give. We, we studied this just a few weeks ago in another series. Do you remember Acts 2.42? Do you remember what was going on in the book of Acts? The early church, right? They're doing amazing things. Remember they had 3,000 baptisms in one day. And then you go to the next chapter and they had 5,000 baptisms in another day. And you go to the next chapter and, and within three or four chapters of the church having its birth in Jerusalem, most scholars believe the church was running 25,000 people. It's like, what were they doing? Acts 2.42. We talked about this. What were they doing? They were devoting themselves. And that might be the difference, that they actually devoted themselves to these things. It wasn't just like, oh, that's nice to know. They devoted, they actually did these things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves to knowing the word of God, to fellowshipping with one another, to taking holy communion, and to prayer. And then... 3,000 people got baptized, and 5,000 people got baptized, and the church just exploded and made some big-time noise in Jerusalem, and what did it say in the beginning of the books of Acts? And Samaria, and even to the ends of the world, even into Enid, Oklahoma, because these people dedicated themselves, and they stayed connected to the source of power. All the things that Paul did, all the things that Peter did, all the preaching, everything that they did, was because they were connected to Jesus Christ, they drew on the strength of the power. And that's why Paul can write this and say, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Stay connected to the source. Second thing this morning is you need to armor up. It's the name of the series, but we're called to do that. To put on the full armor of God, look at verse 11. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. It's so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So you can, so that's even possible in your life, you're going to put on the full armor of God. When you read this put on in the original language, it gives us this idea of permanence. That this armor is not something that we put on and take off, but it's something that we put on and we keep on. And it's a sustained, lifelong attire for the believer. And you may, say, you may say, well, what's it for? It's for being protected against all of the devil's schemes because he is a liar and a cheat. He's conniving and he leads many astray. And you can think of parts of your life right now where you've been led astray. You may know someone in your family that's been led astray. You know a friend that's been led astray. And they, they think, oh, yeah, we're off living the good life. I'm so happy. It's like, no, you're sinning. You've been sinning all along. And your sinning started way back here, and you just continued to sin until this point, and it's going to come back to bite you because Satan's got you neutralized. Are you any good for the kingdom when you're just, just massively sinning against God? No, you're neutral. You don't have a witness, a testimony. You don't have a leg to stand on in the kingdom of God. That's why you need Jesus because he's the only hope that you have. But it gives us this idea that to stand against, to stand firm, because he's a liar and a cheat and he's got a plan. He's trying to lead you away from God. 1 Peter 5, 8-9 reminds us of this. It says this, be alert and of sober mind. You see this all throughout the New Testament, warning Christians. Hey, hey, pay attention. Be alert. Be of sober mind. Stand firm. Don't fall away. Stand firm. Okay? Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. That's why we're called the resistance movement, right? Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. In other words, this isn't unique to Christians at Oakwood and in Enid, Oklahoma. Christians all over the world 
Satan is trying to devour them. Satan is trying to thwart the plans of God to lead people away from God. It's going on all the time, everywhere. And the call here in verse 11 is, hey, armor up so that you can take your stand. It is easier to fight with the armor of God on than it is to fight completely naked. I got two giggles. I heard that. But it is. We need God's power. We need to put on the full armor of God. Third thing, realize that the battlefield for spiritual warfare is primarily in your thought life. It's your choices. Okay? Not 100% completely, and I thought through this, but it is mainly, primarily in your thought life. That's where this thing begins. If you are looking at something that's tempting you, and you may say, well, it's the lust of the eyes. It's actually the eyes is where it begins, or it's something that I heard that drew me in, or you know, it's, it's something that touches the senses, and that's where temptation starts, and that's where I start to get drawn in. No, 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 no. The senses are, are processed in the mind, and so it's actually what's going on between your ears is the battlefield where it begins, because you look at something like, oh, you know, you some low-hanging fruit like an apple or some fruit from the Garden of Eden, right? And, oh, it looks really good. And so you look at it and you're like, oh, it looks really good. And then you, you begin to justify, man, I could eat this. I, I could, no one's going to know. No one's going to know. I got this covered up so good. And I deserve this. I deserve, yeah, and this is like an indulgence. I deserve this every once in a while. I could, I could take, take this fruit and, and, and commit this sin and, and, you know, folks, don't, don't fool yourself. God knows. He knows everything. He sees everything that you do. He knows every thought before you think it. He knows everything. You're, you may feel like I'm hiding it from my wife or I'm hiding it from this situation or these friends or I'm hiding it from the church people. They don't have a clue. I'm sorry, with social media, we have a clue nowadays. <laughs> I don't, someone's like, why did you post that? You know, um, anyway. It's a sermon for another day. But we, we have this battleground in our mind where we're trying to fight this. It, it talks about this in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. It says the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world, right? We're fighting a spiritual battle, so we're fighting with spiritual weapons. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds, those strongholds of sin in your life. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive what? Every thought to do what? To make it obedient to Christ. Did you catch that? We're going to take every thought captive. We're going to take in every thought, and we're going to make it obedient to Christ. And so when that temptation comes our way, through staying connected to the power, through the study of the Word and prayer and having some accountability with believers, through keeping the sacrifice of Jesus present and center in our life, through all of that, I can actually see the increase of holiness, the increase of a mission-mindedness, and, and standing firm in the faith. Standing firm then. Because I have this knowledge, and I'm going to take every thought captive, I'm going to bring it under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, I'm going to make it obedient to Christ. And then look what it, look what it says there in, in uh, verse 13. It says, therefore, put on the form of God so that when the day of evil comes. It doesn't say if the day of evil comes. It says when. It's going to happen. You are going to be tempted. If it isn't happening already or you haven't given in maybe already, 
Maybe that's where you're at this morning, or, or it's happening, it's about to happen. If you take a step toward God, Satan's going to amp up some stuff against you. And so we're going to take every thought captive, and we're going to make it obedient to Christ Jesus. And when that temptation comes, we're going we're to stand on the promises of God, because we are going to have some self-control in our mind. Look what it says. If you're in uh, Ephesians in your Bible, you can just flip over. Uh, the next book is Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think in your mind about these things. You're going to think about those things. That's where your mind's going to go. Those are the things that you're going to dwell on. And we're not going to sit there and try to justify temptation and figure out a plan how to keep it all covered up in our mind. No, we're going to bring it under the lordship of Jesus Christ and in so doing, win the battle of temptation and realize that that battlefield is in our mind. Hey, there's good news for this too. 1 Corinthians 10.13, like every Christian should know this. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. In other words, everybody goes through it. All mankind goes through it. Okay? No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. Okay? He's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Some people, that's their excuse sometimes. Oh, man, the temptation is just too strong. I just had to give in. No, you never have to give in because what Scripture says, what God's providing for you. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. You, you, you don't have to give in. He will always, it goes on, it says that he will always provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. You can stand up under God's umbrella of protection. He's always going to provide a way out of every circumstance and situation you find yourself in. But what do you have to do? You have to make the choice in your mind to follow Christ. Realize that the battlefield for spiritual warfare is primarily in your thought life. Oh, if we could wield this under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, church. And the last thing is take your stand. We're called to take a stand. Look at verse 11. Put on the form of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Also in verse 13, put on the form of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, in other words, you're doing things. You know, after you've done everything that God's commanded you to do. So this, this is, these are actions that we take. This is something that's on us to do. After you've done everything, to stand. If we go back to 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9, remember about the devil, and he's, he's like a lion. And it, what did it say there? It said, resist him standing firm in the faith. There's this idea all throughout the New Testament about standing firm. Don't give in. Don't give way. Stand firm. There's a couple times where the Apostle Paul's like, gird up your loins. Okay, gird up your loins. Put on the form of God. Stand firm and take your stand because Satan is going to come at you. And he's going to come after you. And your job is to depend on the Lord's strength and stay connected to his might and his power. And you will be able to take a stand and glorify God. And if you're like, man, I'm not the one that can feel like I don't relate to this, like I'm a neutral. I feel like this, man, I feel like Satan is being mean to me all the time. He's coming after me all the time. This is what I would say to you. Welcome to the club. It's proof that you're doing something for Jesus. You're doing something as a believer. Welcome to the club. In fact, maybe the frequency and intensity of the attacks should be on the increase in your life. Because we're engaged in a deadly spiritual battle. But God says, 
to stand firm. And the fact is we can stand firm if we stay connected closely to Christ Jesus. In James chapter 4, verse 7, love this verse, it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But what's our part in that? Resist the devil. And then he'll flee from you. Why? Because he doesn't want to waste his time. I mean, if you're rock solid in your faith and you're not going to give in to that temptation, why are they going to come after you? I mean, I'm going to go after someone that's a little easier. I'm going to go after someone in neutral sitting on the sidelines, someone who's not reading their Bible, someone who's not digging for the truth of God's word and allowing it to transform their life and change them from the inside out. I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm not going to go after that person that's strong, that person that's communicating with God, like praying constantly. And, man, I'm not, I'm, man that's, that's hard work. Satan says, hey, I'm not giving up. I'm going to come after. I'm going to come after. I'm going to come after. Well, there's going to come a point where you say, you know what, I'm standing firm. I've resisted this attack. And the devil says, see you later. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. How is that possible? Think about it. How is that possible? How is that even possible spiritually? It's because God has made provision for us. His name is Jesus Christ. He died on the cross, took all the sins of the world was buried in the tomb, and then rose and resurrected on the third day. He had the power over death. The best that Satan could throw at the Son of God, he said, victory. Because he's a resurrected king. Now here's the challenge for us. Where do we need to engage this week? If you're feeling like you've been neutralized, where do you need to engage? Where is God calling you in your life to take a stand? That, and it may be something that no one else ever sees. It may be something very, very personal between you and your phone. It may be something very, very personal, you and this one relationship. Where are you going to allow God's grace and his power and his might to fill you up so that you can take your stand and you can throw off sinfulness and throw on righteousness? Where is that engagement going to happen? Where is the battle going to happen? Because I think sometimes the problem is we just don't follow Christ close enough to be a threat. And yet, everything we read today assumes. It doesn't say if you're in a spiritual battle. If the day of evil comes. If you feel like taking a stand. No, it's just assumed. It's just, it's just in our DNA. We're warriors for Christ Jesus. We represent Him. And we advance the kingdom for kingdom purposes. When Jesus gave us the marching orders and he said, make disciples and baptize them and teach them to obey everything I commanded you, then we're to be about that mission. And trust me, when you're on a mission and mission-minded, some things are going to come against you and try to throw you off mission. And maybe that's what's happening. We're going to take communion together this morning in just a moment. Hopefully you got those, those cups and, and that bread when you came in. If you're online with us this morning, hopefully you've made those preparations at home. What's great about this meal that we're about to share with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the provision for forgiveness of sins, the provision for power has been given to us through the sacrifice of Jesus. 
And it's interesting in John chapter 6 when Jesus is actually talking about communion and he calls himself, I don't know if you remember that, that passage, he calls himself, says, I am the bread of life. But part of what he says in there, he says, if you do not take of the bread and drink of the cup, you have no part of me. It gives me this idea of being disconnected. And then we're called to reconnect. And, and, and maybe, maybe that's what it is this morning, is communion is the reconnection meal. Maybe you've had one of those weeks where it's like, man, I didn't think about God. I didn't read my Bible one. I don't even know where my Bible is. I didn't pray. I'm telling you what, yeah, I'm a lousy follower of Jesus. I love him, but I live like he doesn't exist. Connect right now. And this bread that represents his body, he, he died for you. He sacrificed. If it was a semi-truck coming down Oakwood and you were walking across the street, he jumped in front of you and pushed you out of the way. And to that, you'd say, wow, how heroic and how awesome. Yes, his body broken, sacrificed for you. And the way we take communion now, we flip it over, right? Take the cup. <laughs> and the cup represents his blood, his blood that was poured out for you willingly. And he says, hey, hey, do this in remembrance of me and stay connected to me. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray in these next few moments as we take this communion together as your church, God, we would remember that it's because of your sacrifice. We can be winners. Ultimately, the victory, the price for victory has already been paid through the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus. Lord, I pray as we take this communion that represents your body and your blood. It says in Scripture that we proclaim this meal and we proclaim your death and resurrection until you come again. Lord, you're coming back and it's going to be even a more glorious, victorious coming. But God, we have to stay connected to you. We can stand firm. We can win the spiritual battles in our life if we stay connected to you. And so Lord, I pray as we take this communion together, may it be a time of spiritual connection. May we power up through your Holy Spirit. God, give us what we need so that when we go out from this place and live the 167 hours of our life that are outside of this room, Lord, that we can walk and stand firm in you. God, thank you for providing it for us. And I just pray we choose to walk in it this morning. We pray these things in the strong and the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you would, take a few moments this morning and communion with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.